Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. District of Conservation is sponsored by Real Camo Girl, a lifestyle brand for women who love the great outdoors, spanning from hunting, fishing, foraging, archery, shooting sports, and the like. We are proud to have them as a sponsor, and you can learn more about them at www.realcamelgirl.com and follow them all across social media to learn more and get involved. Welcome to episode 15 of District of Conservation. Thank you guys for listening each week. If you're a new subscriber, thank you and welcome. I hope you like the content I'm delivering. If you're a returning subscriber listener, I really appreciate you listening each week. If you guys didn't know, December 2nd was my one-year anniversary of harvesting my first ever wild game species, in particular a rooster pheasant that I got at the Rappahannock Bird Dog Club a year ago, and that wasn't the first species I got, but it was my first noteworthy one. I got actually a chucker prior to that picture being taken, but I wanted to highlight that as my first one. It was my second one species second wild game species I successfully harvested, but that was my first hunt trip. I had beginner's luck and it's a moment that I'll forever cherish. I'm going to do my best to explain what is happening with the greater sage grouse out West as best as possible. I'm going to keep it nuanced and balanced and I'm not going to give preference to one side or another just because this is an issue I'm learning about myself. However, I am sympathetic to those who want to see revisions to this 2015 plan because they want to defer more proactive actions to the state, which doesn't seem far-fetched because Wyoming has a different impression of the greater sage-grouse versus Utah and Idaho. So all the Western states have very different opinions on this. So I think it's important to give credence to those who want to see this. And also I will highlight why critics don't want to see this as well. So news came last week that the Bureau of Land Management under this administration would reverse a 2015 Obama era plan aimed at protecting the sage grouse across 70 million acres of public lands within 11 Western states. And depending upon whom you talk to, many people see this bird, this greater sage grouse as a threatened species. And they believe this plan, which does restrict oil and gas exploration, keeps this particular species afloat and off the endangered species list. And I'm not going to claim to be an expert on this issue, but I'm going to do my best to explain what the species is, what's at stake, critics of the plans, revisions, and what people in with boots in the ground in the region have to say about this issue. So... If you're not familiar with the sage grouse, it's a very interesting looking bird, arguably beautiful. It has beautiful markings and they're best known for their elaborate mating dance in which males congregate in leaks and perform a strutting display. And if you watch Nat Geo or BBC Planet Earth, you see this mating dance in display and they're named appropriately after the habitat in which they reside, which is the sagebrush habitat hence the name. And from what friends have told me, they're very good eating too. 
And as an indicator species, this greater sage grouse signals the health of approximately 350 species in the American West, including the pronghorn sheep, elk, and similar species like that. So this bird on the surface seems to play a very important role. And currently it is listed as a near threatened species, the sage, the greater sage grouse and the greatest threats to its health include the following agriculture, aquaculture, energy production, mining, invasive species, genes, diseases, pollution, and approximately 150,000 males are in existence, and maybe the numbers have changed in the last two years, but the IUCN, which is a noted conservation source, has these information, so I'm going to include that in the show notes for you to read. And I asked my friends earlier today about what their views are of the sage-grouse, and I asked some friends in the West, and it seems to be a pretty divided issue where people have very different opinions, but two friends of mine, and two is not a a soluble (laughs) polling size, but... I can understand why people want to see revisions to this. I asked two friends in the West, one in Utah and another in Arizona. I said, well, is the greater sage grouse really imperiled and in crisis? And they said, no, this bird is everywhere. It's not really threatened that much. And depending upon whom you talk to, everyone has a different opinion. The status of this bird depends upon whom you talk to across different states. And critics argue that changes to this 2015 plan would make it so that it would no longer require oil and gas companies to pay compensation for damage to habitat when exploring these particular parcels of land. And in general, people believe they didn't really clearly state, but they believe that the changes could be risky. This kind of makes you scratch your head. So I'm going to discuss what this 2015 plan is now that you guys know what the sage grouse is. So In September 22nd, 2015, then Interior Secretary Sally Jewell's office published the following statement on the status of the sage grouse. And it reads, despite long-term population declines, sage grouse remained relatively abundant and well-distributed across the species' 173 million acre range. After a thorough analysis of the best available scientific information and taking into account ongoing key conservation efforts and their projected benefits, the Fish and Wildlife Service has determined the bird does not face the risk of extinction now or in the foreseeable future and therefore does not need protection under the ESA. Then this press release goes on to explain the establishing of this 2015 plan, which is the record of decision in which the Department of Interior lays out this plan that protected this greater sage grouse from being encroached by oil and gas exploration. It reads, the BLM and United States Forestry Service today announced that they have issued records of decisions finalizing the 98 land use plans that will help conserve greater sage grouse habitat and support sustainable economic development on portions of public lands in 10 states across the United States. The land use plans were developed during a multi-year process in partnership with the states and local partners guided by the best available science and technical advice from the Fish and Wildlife Service. This 2015 plan overhauled the protection plan for the sage grouse, which is called the final records of decision, which was touted as a plan to balance conservation with energy development on millions of acres of land across 10 states. So in response to this, tweaks to this 2015 plan include the following. Other tweaks to language included the in the revision could be consequential for how sage-grouse management takes place on the ground, 
including the removal of somewhat nebulous requirement that activities like drilling for oil result in an ultimate gain in conserving the bird's habitat. In Wyoming, that language has been switched to a provision requiring that there should be no net habitat loss. And the Wyoming Tribune Eagle described the rules changes as the following manner, highlighting why states are welcoming such a change to the 2015 plan. And it goes like this. States like Wyoming will have greater control over balancing mineral development with the chicken-sized bird that's caused a lot of controversy across the West under federal revisions to an Obama-era conservation plan. The changes to sage-grouse management on federal land, which have been soaked in disagreement in politics since they were first suggested last year in 2017, will allow oil and gas firms more flexibility to drill in the bird's habitat while aligning federal rules with state ones. This is being a move praised by the Department of Interior and Deputy Interior Secretary David Bernhardt is set, quoted as saying that the agency wants to afford states more flexibility in how public lands are managed. He said that the goal in the hopes of conserving the sage grouse would be unchanged. And according to NBC News, he's quoted as saying, I completely believe that these plans are leaning forward on the conservation of sage grouse, he told the Associated Press. Do they do it in exactly the same way? No. We made some change to the plans and got rid of some things that are not simply necessary. Similarly, the Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership has an interesting article called BLM's Revised Sage-Grouse Plans Continue Conservation But Create Uncertainty, which is one of the more better balanced articles there. I don't agree with every tenant laid out there, but one of their scientists said this, the scale and magnitude of sage-grouse conservation planning, while extraordinary, has always been an enormous experiment and management actions largely remain untested, says Ed Arnett, who's chief scientist to the Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership, and he's further quoted as saying, we need solid research and monitoring to demonstrate the management efforts implemented in these plans are in fact good for grouse. Until we see conservation manifested on the ground, we still just have good intentions for habitat and birds on paper in planning documents. Interestingly enough, this plan's revision is facing opposition from Republican Governor Mark Mead of Wyoming, who is opposing it, suggesting that weakening the rules could lead to the species having the need to be placed and labeled as an endangered species, making it more impossible to explore oil and gas in the future. And if you guys know from what I've previously discussed in episode five and in other following episodes that ESA protections make it so you cannot do anything, not even hunt, not even safely and legally extract resources for energy development. So that's a pretty interesting uh, sticking point there. That's, that's an interesting argument. I can understand why critics have concerns with respect to that. And interestingly enough, other stakeholders in Wyoming suggest these tweaks will have little to no effect on conservation plans. So Bob Budd, who's chairman of Wyoming's sage-grouse implementation team, disagreed with the tide of opposition to these revisions, and I'm reading from, again, that Wyoming Eagle Tribune publication, arguing that in Wyoming the changes were modest and will not undermine the work to conserve the bird. The state's plans, which will guide touchy issues like compensatory mitigation under the plan's revisions, are largely the same as they've been for years, he said. In regard to balancing the development and the bird's Habitat. Bud said the removal of the prioritization of oil and gas drilling outside general habitat increases the incentives for driller to stay out of core habitat, those acres and breeding grounds that have been designated as most crucial to the bird's survival. He says, we're trying to write into a plan common sense and logic, he said, and just saying, use your head, do your development where it has the least impact. So governors in these 10 to 11 states have 60 days to contest these changes 
and whether or not they're going to align their state plans with the Bureau of Land Management. So it's going to be interesting to see the results of that. And unlike some of the characterizations of the Department of Interior, I don't think anyone wants to see the greater sage grouse go extinct or have to be placed on the endangered species list under the Endangered Species Act because that would inhibit people from hunting it and also from partaking in mixed use of public lands. And I think it's important to see how individual states respond to the changes and whether or not they adopt it. Like I mentioned, Utah and Idaho have doubts about this 2015 plan, so they want to amend it to better fit the interests of their states. And a lot of people think that states having more oversight on this means the federal government won't have any involvement whatsoever. They're going to defer back to the federal government. And if this has minimal effects on the sage-grouse population, I think people have to reflect that more accurately. And I think the species can coexist with people perhaps developing that's what mixed use of public lands is. It doesn't mean you're going to overdevelop. That's unhealthy. I think everyone can agree. But preservation, alternatively, is never good, too, because that's just the key to how conservation has worked in this country. I think you can't have both extremes. So people are going to have to be more amenable to that. And we'll see if this plan will make any significant changes. But I wanted to present a more calm look into that issue. The next thing I'm going to talk about which I'll conclude for this episode, is the sportsman's package that is being touted by many prominent hunting and outdoor organizations during this lame duck session. And it's been revealed that both chambers of Congress may be in session even through New Year's because they want to pass important pieces of legislation. So this gives conservation interests some more hope with pieces of legislation to be passed, hopefully out of the Senate to be signed by the president and also to be passed out of the House to go into the Senate to then be signed by the president as well. I previously mentioned the Modern Fish Act and the Land and Water Conservation Fund, and those are very important to pass. But I also wanted to touch more upon important pieces of legislation as it relates to reforming the Pittman-Robertson Act of 1937 and also to passing the Target Practice and Marksmanship Training Support Act. So this sportsman's package, which I will elaborate more on, is being supported by the likes of the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation, Sportsman's Alliance, and the Council to Advance Hunting and Shooting Sports. So what does this sportsman's package entail? You ask, so one thing they're proposing, it's not really within a bill, but they want to promote an open until closed policy. And I'm reading this from Sportsman's Alliance Explainer, which is awesome and kind of simplifies it in layman's terms. So the open until closed policy would require lands managed by the Bureau of Land Management and the U.S. Forest Service to be open for hunting, fishing, and recreational shooting unless specifically closed for cause. This action would help to prevent lawsuits brought by anti-hunting groups attempting to use the courts to stop hunting opportunities on public lands. I believe it also includes, as the explainer notes, allowing bows to be transported through national parks, allowing qualified volunteers to help with wildlife management in national parks, requiring information be published about which groups sue the federal government and collect attorney fees under the Equal Justice Act. And this addendum is from Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, so I'm not grabbing it out of thin air. I'll also include that in the show notes. Establishing a reasonable cross-boundary, cross-jurisdictional permit for, for small public lands filming operations and preventing the Army Corps of Engineers from prohibiting possession of a firearm at certain federal water resource developments. So that's pretty much the... 
that first policy, like I said, it's not really attached to any piece of legislation, especially these two pieces. Uh, but what the target practice and marksmanship training support act would do would improve public shooting access ranges, which is the direct benefit to hunters and recreational shooters. And I talked about this bill at the resurgent, but it passed out of the house natural resources committee earlier this year. And it's currently as of May 29th, uh, on the union calendar in the house. So it hasn't really made any movement there. So it'd be interesting to see with the new crop of congressmen slated to come into Congress. They're not very pro-gun, so I, if it's not passed in the lame duck session, unfortunately, this bill will be de- dead on arrival come the new Congress. But I think something that will have more hope with passing is the Pittman-Robertson Modernization Act, which will help recruit the recruitment, which will help improve the recruitment of new hunters by allowing states to use existing excise tax funds to promote recreational shooting and hunting. And currently, it was received in the Senate, twice and refer to the committee on environment and public works. So it hasn't gone out of committee in the Senate. It'll be interesting to see if it does, but that's really critical, especially in line with R3, which is recruitment, retention, and reactivation, something I've highlighted here at the podcast and also in my writings at the resurgent. So I'm hoping the sportsman's package will be passed. You should urge your member of Congress, your senators and house members to support this before the lame duck session ends to help get this passed through because you're not going to see this passed for two years or until you perhaps see more Republicans or Republicans back in control of the House. The third thing I'm going to discuss, which was just released from the Environmental Protection Agency, are changes to the WOTUS rules or Waters of the United States rule with respect to what is a navigable water. A 2015 rule that was put into place by the previous administration designating a navigable body of water, every body of water essentially, even ditches and puddles, as being able to be regulated, which is pretty preposterous. And the EPA and Army Corps of Engineers have a joint press release stating that the following, our proposal would replace the Obama EPA's 2015 definition with one that respects the limits of the Clean Water Act and provides states and landowners with the certainty they need to manage their natural resources and grow local economies, said EPA Acting Administrator Andrew Wheeler. The quote goes on to say, for the first time, we are clearly defining the difference between federally protected waterways and state protected waterways. Our simpler and clearer definition would help landowners understand whether a project on their property will require a federal permit or not without spending thousands of dollars on engineering and legal professionals. So in Virginia, actually, we were the first state to test out this, and it was one in a federal court uh, under the former Attorney General Ken Cuccinelli that a puddle or a ditch cannot be a navigable water subject to regulation. So this is very good with this just breaking. And again, it doesn't undo the Clean Water Act. It just restricts what is a navigable body of water and hopefully it will have um it, i don't think it's going to have the toll some more radical environmentalists are suggesting it will but this will put the the current law into check and not overextend its limit of course protecting federal waterways and, and the waterways that need to be protected but not extend that to puddles and ditches thank you guys for listening to district of conservation episode 15 if you have questions about the sage grouse, I have everything included in the show notes for you to read and defer to. If you want to learn more about the sportsman's package being considered, I can send you information on how to contact your member of Congress, Senate, or House member. And you can read more about the Clean Water Act. I'm going to try to write about it at CFACT, where I'm doing some freelance writing at. 
So I will have more on both the sage grouse and the clean water revision uh, for you there. But if you guys like what you're hearing, want to support the podcast, please check us out on anchor.fm slash district dash of dash conservation. Find us on iTunes. Please, please, please subscribe and review on iTunes. That will help us reach more people. And we're also found on other supporting platforms as well. So thank you guys for listening. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I should be having some more unique, exclusive interviews with newsmakers across different agencies and departments. I should be having something this weekend. I will confirm back with my friend who I'm going birding with to see the eagles at Conowingo Dam. Granted, the weather is good and viewing is optimal, but we'll have more interviews too. So thank you guys. Please subscribe and provide your feedback. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Thank you guys.